Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. In this session, we are going to be looking at the church's current response to cults and false teachings. What is the church doing today to check this problem? And as I listen to Rogers speak and tell us about what happened in Kanungu and some of the things that are happening today, it couldn't help me to remember some two quotes that I'm going to share with you. One of the quotes says, We are made wise not by the recollection of our past, but by the responsibility for our future. We had what happened in Kanungu, and some of us were really like shedding tears, you know, touching the heads like, how can such a group really could have existed and, uh, you know, burn such people when we were around? And some people in places we have gone to, they have even blamed the government. Where was the government? In my place, people blame government even for their own things they're supposed to do. You know, you have a quarrel with your wife like, ah, government with Yambi. And so, yes, we can, you know, think about what happened in the past, and we cry, we blame the government, but that can't make us wise, unless we take responsibility for the future, for the current, and say, no, this happened, people were burned, and it shouldn't happen in our time. So, we could be made wise, not by the past, but by the responsibility of our future. The other quote that came to mind was, uh, uh, it is a funny one, according at least to me. It says, we are made wise by the dead. We are made wise by the dead. This was a response given to one of the girls who asked a doctor about why a postmortem. Somebody dies, you see, has been knocked by a border border, and you know he has been knocked by a border border. But why do you still take this person to Mulago and do a postmortem, really? And then the pathologist said, you know what? The dead can make you wise. When you do a postmortem, you discover what really happened. And then you who are living say, hey, by the way, this person was knocked by a border border, maybe because he had some issues he was thinking about. So as he was walking, he did not see the border border. So you who are living can learn, hey, this one was knocked because of A, B, C, D. Yes, he was knocked, but there were some other issues. So people died in Kanungu. These people who died can make us wise. We can think about what killed them, and then us today could say, oh, since these people died because of this, let us do something what? Differently. So we can be made wise by the what? By the dead. So we will be asking during this session some few questions that we will be asking and answering together. The questions will be, do we still have cults that seem to be a threat today? Yes, something happened in the past, people were killed. So do we still have cults or false teachings that seem to be a threat today? Question number two we'll, we'll ask is, what are some of the challenges of cults today? And question number three will be, how has the church in Uganda responded to the threat of cults today? And as we listen to some of the research we have done, then we'll ask the last question, which would be, can we respond better? 
So, do we still have cults that seem to be a threat today? What are some of the challenges of cults today? And how is the church responding to the threat of cults today? And can we respond better? I know you may be ready with an answer to that question of, do we still have cults that seem to be a threat today? Some people may be saying yes. Some people may be saying, ah, for us, we have prayed and these things are not around. But let me take you to the Bible about this question. In Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, says this. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. It says, But there are false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. And verse 2 says, Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Peter is telling us that, you know what? There are also false prophets. Then, and so there will be false prophets among us too, among us to you. False teachers are here even today. We heard about Kanungu and some people say, ah, those happened in Kanungu sometime back. But even today, we have what? False teachers among us. I'm not going to go into details of now and do the exposition of this verse, but at least these verses tell us that the challenge of cults, false teachers, is still a challenge even today. What is disturbing in these verses is, the verses are telling us that they will secretly introduce what? Destructive heresies. That's the challenge with cults. You know, false teachers will not come and say, me, I'm a false prophet. You know, I am here, and for me, I don't like God. And actually, I have false prophecies. If you want to join me, please come. We form a church, and we shall go to hell together. They don't come saying like that, right? They don't. They secretly come and tell you they're also what? From God. Recently, we have had some prophets, actually, who tell us that for them, on Sunday, they don't even go to church. That's when they go to meet God face to face. And they get words from God's mouth and they come and tell us. And they claim that actually meet God face to face. When some of you are here have never seen God for them, they see God where? Face to face. But what they prophesy really is not from God. So they secretly introduce destructive errors. They don't come announcing, I am a false teacher. I've been asking a question to some places we go to. That Can you tell me at least one church that you know of? Say in Kampala, which has the name, the church of Lucifer the Devil Ministries International. Have you ever found one? It's not anywhere. Most of the names of the churches we have are very wonderful, right? They are ascendants. Holy Spirit, Fire Speaking Ministries International. And like, wow. You know, the church has everything in one church. But when you listen to what is being taught there, it's really not from the Holy Spirit. It's not from God. So, they will introduce what? Destructive heresies. They don't come announcing, for us we are denying the Master who bought us. No. And the other sad part in the verse which says, many will follow the depraved conduct. Many, not few. And sometimes when we mention some of the false teachers or cultic churches around, and we tell people, be aware of such teaching, such a following. And people tell us, but you people, look at the people that follow these people. Look at the people that go to their church. So many. So you want to tell me that all these people are going to hell. 
Actually, the Bible tells us that many people will follow some of these false prophets. So, the challenge is here. False teachings, false prophets, false apostles are here. The Bible says they were there and they are around us. And you may be asking, what are some of these false prophets or churches? And I'd like to mention like two or three of some of the examples that when you like listen to that verse, you could know, oh, I think this group fails on this what? On this. Number one is called Faith of Unity, led by now the late Obstavos Visaka. Though the followers actually believe that he has not died, that it's not the first time that has happened to him. You know, he disappeared and he still came back. They believe Visaka is still around. But Visaka, he calls himself the word Obstavosi from Runyoro Toro, means he is all able. The one who is what? All able. And when you listen to that phrase, that is an attribute to God. It's God who is all able, it's God who is all powerful, it's God who is able to do anything. But Visaka claims he is all able. In one of the interviews they asked him, I think it was on NTV, they asked him, you say you are God. Tell us more about you being God. And he answered philosophically, he said, Nyoenga is sang. You know, I found myself just like the way Moses was asked, tell us, tell me, who are you? And God said, I am. Even the Sake says, Nyoenga is sang. I found myself, I am. Claiming he's who? He is God. He claims to be the power of God. At least he said that, that he is the power of God. Interestingly, he did not only claim he is God, but actually he even said, Jesus Christ is a myth, just like even Adam. You people have been deceived. Here is the book that Visaka has introduced to replace the Bible. Cults will destroy or will have extra-biblical revelations. And Visaka has introduced his own book called The Book of God of the Age of Oneness. This one, he says, is better than the Bible. Because the Bible brought disunity. That is even why people in Kanungu got burnt. But his book, which he signed himself, has brought unity. But listen to what he says about Jesus Christ. One time they asked him, What do you say about Jesus Christ? This is what he replied. This is on page 83. Why don't you talk about Jesus? This is what Visaka said. Because he was not a savior and never existed. They deceived you. So Christians have been deceived according to Visaka about Jesus Christ. The sin which he came to remove that was alleged to have been committed by Adam was never there. This is because Adam himself never existed. It was a myth, just like that of Kintu and Nambi here in Uganda. That is according to faith of unity. And if you listen to those verses very well, they told us that these first prophets or first teachers will introduce destructive heresies, teachings. Even they will deny the master who bought them. Now, when you listen to that, aren't this denying that Jesus Christ really existed? And that's just one group. And some others. There is this group by one called Navasa Ganja. 
the followers of Navasa claim that she has a mysterious eye like this. Who, which eye can watch over you and even listen to whatever you are doing wherever you are. So if you are a follower of Navasa and you are here, you have to behave very carefully because Navasa is watching you from wherever she is. And again, when you listen to that attribute, that is the only attribute that God has. It's God who is all-powerful. It's God who is present everywhere. It's God who knows everything. And the Bible tells us that before even he could tell them to say, he knew what was in their heart, in their hearts. Now, some groups claim, actually, they do have such a power. False teachers, false prophets. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, their missionaries put on white shirts and black trousers, good-looking young men and ladies. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints teaches that Jesus Christ is our elder brother. But not only that, how did he become our elder brother? Because God, their Father, who is in heaven, they take that literally. They say, this God, our Father, who is in heaven, had body and flesh as human being. And this God, the Father, progressed and he became God. And in heaven, he has a heavenly woman. So God, the Father, slept with his heavenly woman and produced their firstborn. And their firstborn is Jesus Christ. So he didn't stop there. Jesus Christ and Lucifer are spirit brothers. Not only they, but then God produced me and you. They think that we used to live in heaven as spirit brothers of Lucifer and Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that there is only one God and one Savior. And that is who? Jesus Christ. You listen to these groups, they are denying that Jesus Christ is who? Is God. And they are here. They in Kampala, they in Uganda, they in very many other places. These are just a few. And I am sure you know some other groups that teach wrongly about Jesus Christ, about the Bible, about salvation. So the challenge is real. False teachers, cults are here in our midst. So what are some of the challenges of cults today? What are the challenges that these groups are causing today? We did a research. One of our board members, he moved around asking, at least mostly, the Anglican church leaders about the challenge of cults. And here are a few responses from Dr. Johnson Ebong. He said, cults are a big challenge to the church of Uganda because most of the members fall victims to cult leaders. He said cults tend to offer what they are missing in the church, like in the Anglican church, such as close attention, which they get from their cult leaders and members. So some people have joined other churches because in the church of Uganda, for example, the church leaders are not giving attention to the church members. And so they go to these other groups, the false pastors and the prophets, they attend to them very well. And some of these people, if you hear testimonies, really they know how to give love. You come crying, the man of God starts crying before you finish, before you even tell your problem. She's already crying with you. And you say, you know, I have a problem with tuition, sir. Don't worry, God has already answered your prayer. Actually, go back, you will find the man on your account. They are attending to their people, and meanwhile in the Anglican church, 
Some of us are so busy that we are not attending to our church what? members. There's one time we went to Masaka and we went to this secondary school. It's one of the big secondary schools there. And when we reached there, the reverend told us of about few boys, about five, that had left the Anglican church and had joined the Mormons. And so we tried to find out how did these young boys follow in this new religion. So we got an opportunity to meet them and ask them, why did you leave the Anglican church and join the church of Jesus Christ of the Saints? The boys told us, you know what? We had our questions. We come to the chaplain several times, but the chaplain checks us. Go back to class. Is this the time for asking about the Bible? You go to class and learn uh, chemistry. We shall talk about those things. Said so another time we came, the chaplain checked us. But we met these people who were humble. They welcomed us and asked our questions. And even they, vis- they visited us in our hostel. And so we joined. So cults had a challenge because what is missing here, it will be found where? In those places. They attend to them. That's what Dr. Johnson told us. Reverend Captain Mwesga said, the biggest challenge is coming from self-proclaimed pastors, prophets, and apostles that have no accountability or body to check out their doctrine. That's the challenge of our current false teachers. These self-proclaimed pastors and prophets who have no accountability, no one to check whatever they say, now the president of Tanzania died. Don't be surprised if some prophet says her, you know what, I saw this, then the Lord had told me the president is going to die. But I do not want to tell you because you know, you will not believe me. You know, I kept it to myself, you would not believe me. And no one is going to follow up and ask, how come God told you to come and tell us and you didn't tell us? No one is going to question that. No one is going to ask, how true is that God is only speaking through you about these things and not speaking to other church members or church leaders? How, why only about you? That will pass and business will come, you know, will continue as usual. But not, not only about prophecies, even about teachings. Someone will start teaching that God has saved you and has forgiven all your sins, past, present and future, and you don't need to care how to live. And the children and people who attend the fellowship will continue believing this and nobody will hold these pastors accountable. You are teaching promiscuity. They are not accountability. No one is checking them. So that's the challenge. They will do whatever they want and no one is what? Asking. Number three, the other challenge is that cults today, they attack their family and isolate people from everything that could hold them accountable. They turn against their families, friends, and loved ones. And this is leading to marriages breaking, and the youth rebelling, and family systems burning within. This is what again Reverend Captain Mwesga told us. That the challenge of us today is that they are attacking what? Families. You heard Rogers tell us about Kanungu. That this group told the people, if you join with your wife and uh, no husband, they would separate you. They wouldn't allow you to live together. Actually, there was a serious rule that if they found you, even if you are married and you are having sex, they would give you serious tibok. But that is breaking marriage, right? Because the Bible says what God has joined, no man should do what? Should separate. But some of these groups are saying, no, you don't need to be together. Today, in some fellowships, you hear the pastor saying, you know, the Spirit is telling me something here. Ah, the Spirit is telling me, actually, you are so-and-so. Yes, 
Actually, the Spirit has told me, the husband you have right now is not supposed to be your husband. And your husband is here. And he points to the members of the choir. And when you look at this lady, she's already married. Actually, we had such a real story of a lady who was told, your husband you have is not your real husband. And your husband is here. The good thing, this lady was smart. She said, thank you so much, Pastor. Now, let me go back home and ask my husband if it is okay to leave him and go and marry that one you have showed me. That is what cults are doing today. Breaking families. We have some young people who are calling themselves Christ. Actually, some of them even used the name Christ. And here, what is your name? I am Mrs. Christ Emmanuel. What is your name? I am Josephine, Mrs. Christ. And they're like, what is happening here? And when you follow them at home, they are not listening to their parents. Because if they are Christ, and for you, the parent, you are not yet a Christ, why should I listen to you? Why should I listen to you? Cults are doing a damage. There is a man here in town who had four children with his wife. And the wife joined this wrong group, and the group told him, the man you have is not supposed to be your man. And the woman believed the man tried to do whatever he wanted to do to save his marriage. It never happened. The marriage was broken. He joined this false group and that's what has happened. So cults are a serious danger today and they are causing havoc. They are breaking families, the youth are rebelling and families are burning within. This is one quote from our own Dr. Rebecca Nyagenya. She shared this when she was asked. I hope she still remembers. <laughs> she said, when I was served as a chaplain, of Uganda Christian University, I witnessed first-hand information from many students whose lives were ruined by cults and false teachers that lured them. Some of them never completed their courses after the apostle or prophet they were following prophesied that they did not need to continue with education. And I'm sure this is happening in some of our schools. The young people are being told, you don't need to have a degree. If you are a Christ now, you are an apostle. Why do you need the certificate for? You're going to be commanding things and they happen. Why do you need a paper? Why are you going to struggle looking for jobs? You are an apostle. You go and start a church in Kasanga and so many people will follow you. So what do you need papers for? And some young people are listening to this. They are not finishing school. There is a time when at Makerere, when we were doing outreach there, some of the students were writing exams in tanks. Imagine you have sent your daughter to Makerere. And the next thing to hear is, yeah, your daughter, for him, is another level. Oh, she's in another level. She writes exams in tanks. And it happened to some boys, and the lecturer did not understand the tongue they had written. And when they called them, I'm told, they started binding the professor. Professor, you don't understand the thing. Sharabaka, yo, ma, yo, yo. They chased them. These things are happening, and cults are causing havoc in our schools. They are causing havoc. One time we wanted to do an outreach at Ngumba University and we met one of the CU leaders there. And he told us, ah, Nehemiah, for us here, we don't joke around. They gave us this room to use, but one day we found one of the professors using our room. And there was a lecture happening. So what we did, we started what, moving around the room, binding the professor and the students. They chased us though, that's what they told us. I'm like, yes, it's good they chased you. Because they're supposed to listen to what? The university rules and regulations. But some of the youth are not listening, some of them are leaving the exams, they are writing exams in tanks, some of them are not finishing school. Ever prophesying 
speaking in tongues and not attending to what? To classes. That's the challenge of cults today. Reverend Captain Baraka told us that cults manipulate and take money from their followers, promising them deliveries from curses and end up further impoverishing those who are already poor and vulnerable. Some of these churches, some of these false churches, every message is about sowing a seed. Lunch hour, midweek service, every Sunday, sow a seed. Sow a seed and see how God will multiply your heart, the money you have given. And some people sow their tuition, some people sow their salaries, and the cities don't mature. And some people have ended up becoming what? Very poor. We have been going to Vinyoro. We are given a chance to move around Vinyoro Diocese to exercise the people about the danger of cults, but in reference specifically, faith of unity. We went to the headquarters of faith of unity at Kapiemi, and we asked the leaders there, they are called the Wakwenda, how do you get the money that has helped you to build this palace and all this around, and how do you sustain this? And they said, you know, you see these people here, and we are looking at the people around. They bring. This one will bring a goat, this one will bring cassava, this one will bring millet. And when we looked at the people, they were saying they were bringing things to build such a place. They were old women, some of them, bending, walking on sticks like this. You look at the person who is bringing to the other people, she also needs help. And that's what false teachers are doing. Telling people to bring money to God, but instead they are putting the money in their pockets. The next thing, they are having big cars, they are flying to the UK every weekend, but the church members are still very poor. So cults manipulate, they take money from their followers, promising them deliverance from curses and end up further in trouble. That is another challenge. And I'm sure there are many others that you know. You know many, some other stories, I guess, what the cults or false teachers have done. Maybe after this talk we'll discuss and say, what are some of the stories you have heard, or what are some of the experiences you have heard from these false teachers? But those are the few that we could be able to get. And so, the challenge is here, cults are a danger. But number three, what is the church doing? What is the church's response to curb these challenges? So what is the church doing? Again, we asked some of these leaders from Church of Uganda and other places, and here I'm going to share with you what they told us what the church is doing about this challenge. Number one, one of the church leaders said, the church actually seems not to be so much concerned about the challenge of cults. He said, some even quote the Bible. There's a verse in Matthew 7 which says, do not judge. If you judge, you will also be what? Judged. In the same manner, you will judge others, you will also be what? Judged. So when we talk about cults and false teachers, some people are saying, why are you judging those people? Why don't you leave them alone? And with such a response, we will not deal with the challenge of what? Cults. Some people are saying, leave them alone. God will do their work. But you heard from First Timothy chapter 4 that actually see your responsibility, a church member, as a church leader, to guard yourself and to guard the people who listen to you, to guard the people around you, and even mention those things to them. Mention that these false teachers are here, be aware of them, do not join. But some people are saying, ah, ah, that is judging. No. If we respond like that, the challenge of cults will keep here. This leader told us that if, actually, if they care, he said, actually, these people, there is some ignorance amongst them because of they don't know the challenge 
of cults. They don't know the danger cults are doing. Because if they knew the challenge, the danger they have caused, then they wouldn't be saying, do not judge the people. That is response number one. Some of people are saying, leave those people alone. God will sort them out. There's one time we went to a church in the place where we stay, and we asked for a place to gather to warn the people, the community around, about one of the churches that is a false church. And when we met one of the leaders there, she was a lady, she was a wife to the lay leader. She said, why are you disturbing those people? Why can't you leave them alone? Don't you think God is seeing them? Then later she said, hey, by the way, they have been coming to me. They have been preaching their things, but me, I don't believe them. And we're like, but if they can come to you, the church leader, what about your church members? But the response is some people are saying, ah, leave them, leave them alone. If we respond like that, the challenge will continue. Number two, some clergy told us that some of the clergy, some of their lay leaders or reverends, they are not theologically trained. Some have founded churches based on dreams and visions. This leader asked us, how do you expect such to respond to the challenge of false teachings? Some are not theologically trained. Some of them, some of these prophets and pastors, have founded churches based on what? Dreams and visions. This person has been attending church maybe for the last three months or five. Then he gets a funny dream. He sees people in the background and some people are dancing around. And the conclusion is, God has called me to be a pastor. And he starts a church. What is he going to be teaching? Visions and dreams. He looks at you like this, says, ah, you are the one I saw in the dream. You have a demon of stubbornness. And people will believe. And so if you are responding like this, then the challenge of cults is still here. People are starting churches on dreams and what? Visions. No training. No discipleship. No mentoring. No accountability. And so, we can't respond to this challenge if this is how we are starting churches. Dreams and visions. Some other person told us that some churches have unguided, unregulated schools of prayer and intercession. Schools of tongues, miracle sessions that have gone overboard. Yes, it's good to have what? Prayer. Intercession. God still heals people. But some of these are actually overboard. You go to a church... And I tell you, this time is a time for speaking in tongues. Everybody speak in tongues. And everybody, even the person who came today who is even uh, not a Christian, starts speaking in tongues. Shorobo yama, yamakaya. This one is lifting the chair. This one is pushing the friend. All of them speaking in tongues. And you're wondering, what is happening here? Isn't there a place of speaking in tongues in the Bible and in a normal way, in a church service, than everybody just speaking and doing whatever they want? Miracles. There are some places where they train people to perform miracles. They start, hey, you come, you come here, and they train you. Uh -huh, now for you become lamb, and somebody starts walking like this. Uh -huh. Walk, walk, and then they say, hey, you come and heal him. You, try, you, try, you lay your hands on him and pray. And then he says, aha, you have healed in Jesus' name. Put your leg like this. And the person puts the leg and says, aha, now you have gotten the what? The thing. And people are practicing this in the churches. Speaking in tongues that are going overboard. Miracle sessions. You read in the Bible, God did not train people to make miracles. It's a gift from God, the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, now you come for this session, I train you how to? To heal people. And with such a response, cults are going to continue. Cults are going to continue 
in our places. There are so many other challenges. There are so many other ways people have responded or church has responded. But these are just a few. And I'm going to give a chance to you to tell us maybe some of the ways you have seen some of these practices in our current churches today and how maybe you have been responding to this challenge. But before I give you the opportunity, I'd like to share with you some positive. Yes, we have seen the danger and what is happening. But some two positives. One, one of the professors is called Edison Kalenjo. He said, some dioceses are assuring that those who serve as ministers and pastors in church have attended the relevant theological training to be able to offer correct biblical teaching and detect false teaching within churches. Yes, we have these people starting churches with you know, dreams and visions, but some dioceses, like Anglican dioceses, are taking the initiative to make sure that the clergy is trained, to make sure that they go through proper training, such that some of these things do not what? happen. But now the other way how the church has responded is that some churches have appreciated the challenge of cults and have said, yes, the danger is here. And they have sought ministries that are being mandated to help in this area. And so some of the churches, some organizations have partnered with ACFA, Africa Center for Apologetics Research, and together they are doing seminars, conferences, they are sharing materials to their people such that they are not what? Deceived. But as you listened, these are just a few good responses. We need to respond much better than this. Let me suggest a few ways we can respond as a church. Number one, the church should intentionally equip their church members with biblical truths and especially about the essentials of the Christian faith. Teachings or doctrines that one has to believe in to be called a Christian. Teachings that talk about, for example, the Trinity, that God exists as one, but he has revealed himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And there are several scriptures in the Bible that teach us about the doctrine of the Trinity. Let's intentionally equip our church members with these truths. There are so many of our church members, if you ask them, tell me one scripture in the Bible which says Jesus Christ is God. Trust me, some of the church members will say, ah, these things, the reverends are the ones who know them. Let me go and ask them. So when they meet somebody who doesn't believe in the Trinity, who teaches that Jesus Christ is not God, they will easily be what? Deceived. So as pastors, as women leaders, as people who are studying the word, can we intentionally equip our friends, our church members, with these biblical truths, more especially teachings to do with the Trinity, that Jesus Christ is God, the Holy Spirit is God, teachings to do about salvation. How do you get saved? And what happens after getting saved? How do you live? Since you have been gotten saved, and do you live just the way you want, like some people are now teaching, that God has forgotten even your sins, the past and the future ones? Let us help our people intentionally and equip them to know some of these teachings. The Trinity, the virgin birth of Christ, how we get saved, his second coming, and with scriptures. And when you teach these truths to other people, tell them to share them to other people. That is what Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 tells us. Paul told Timothy that the things you have heard me teach in the presence of many, I implore you to go and teach other men who are also faithful that are also going to teach others. 
So, equip others, who will equip others, and who will equip others. So that when they listen to some of these false teachers, they'll say, no, 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 actually we already know the truth. But some of us do not know teachings to do with the Trinity, teachings to do with Jesus Christ being God, and others. So when they receive a, a false prophet and tells them, no, for me actually I have replaced Jesus Christ, some people easily what? Believe. Let's teach the essentials in our churches. Some of our churches have only programs. You come in the morning, it is four hours church service. But like for three hours, let, let us have this minister tell us something. Or oh, let us, our MP has just come, they give him a microphone. Uh, be, when he finishes, oh, we need to sell the things people have brought. Then after, and you give the preacher maybe only 20 minutes. And you're whispering to him, time, time, time. But four hours we've been in the church, we have not learned anything. And of course there are some other churches where even when they have time for preaching, the pastor will preach, or mean pick a, a, a verse, and he will talk his own things, the whole service. What is he telling the church members? Shake your neighbor. Tell the Holy, the Holy Spirit is here. Stand up. Praise the Lord. Now move around and tell your neighbor this is happening. The whole service, you are shaking your neighbor, you are lifting chairs, and what have you learned? Ah, that service was powerful. What did you learn? Ah, yeah, you should have been there. No teaching about who Jesus Christ is, how you live as a Christian. So let's go back and teach this to our members. But number two, let's keep our church members to be on guard against false teachers. Let's intentionally tell our members to be on guard, to be watchful that false teachers are around. First Peter 5.8 tells us that the devil is roaring like a lion, seeking one who to devour. Let's equip our church members to be on guard, to be watchful. Not to just go to any fellowship because they have heard it is a fellowship and the person leading it is an apostle. No, let's be on guard. Acts 20, 28 through 38, I think. Did Sarah read this? I don't know. I don't remember. But Acts 20, 28 through 38 tells us about to be on guard. That we should be watchful, we should be on guard. Number three. As church leaders, all people who have been discipled, we have the mandate to expose and refute false teachers. It is your mandate as a church leader, as a church member, to mention the names of some of these false teachers. I don't have time to read all these passages, you can write to them, but Titus chapter 1 verse 9 tells us that no, the man of God must be one who knows the doctrines, his teachings very well, such that even he knows how to stop those ones that are teaching falsehood. Titus 1.9 tells us. In First Timothy chapter 1 verse 20, Paul mentions even names of false teachers. He mentions Ammonias and others. So if you know about these false teachers and you know what they are teaching, it is evident so on maybe TV, it's in the newspapers, you as a church leader, you as a church member, you have the mandate to mention and say so and so is misleading you people. Be aware of him. There are people who are saying, don't mention the names. Yes, there are places where Paul doesn't mention names, but there are several other places where Paul says, mention those names. So, mention. Pastor has deceived you, has taken your money. Don't say, who will believe me? No. Mention and say, Pastor deceived me, I should sow a seed of my salary, I have never gotten back my salary. Mention and let people know about this. And lastly, and of course I know you should be having more ways how we can re respond to this. Lastly, let's reach out to these people. Let's reach out with love and compassion. 
I know some of us get annoyed, get emotional. These people are doing bad things. You know, they're agents of the devil. Yes, some of them are agents of the devil. But there are some people who are there who have been deceived. They have been deceived that this is the truth. And some of these people, by the way, they are our relatives, they are our friends, they are close people to us. So, we need to reach them with love and compassion and explain the truth. Because they are our friends, they are our relatives. Let's reach them with love and compassion and show them the way to heaven. Yes, we can blame some of them, but there are other people who are there who have been deceived. And they think they have the truth. And so, it is our mandate, it is our responsibility as a church to reach these people. And so, as you conclude, as you can see, the challenge of false teachings is immense. We have instances where people have been deceived, people are now poor because they have been deceived to sow seeds and all these things. As you heard, people have died. Hundreds died in Kanungu. People have been used and you know, misused. There are people who have been going to these churches and the pastor is telling them, you know, for you to have the, this holiness, this holiness passes through me. And some women have been abused sexually because they believe the anointing passes through the man of God. The challenge is immense. We have false teachings in our bodies. And you and me that can do something about this. The church. And the church is us. So you have heard this information. And even what is happening today. So the question I want to leave with you this afternoon is, what are you going to do with this information you have heard today? As a church leader, as a church member, or fellowship leader, or somebody in the church, what are you going to do with this information you have heard today? To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.